We began a new series last week, The Attributes of God, just trying to know more about God, understanding God. And the preacher of last week was Lilian Matovu, uh, Dr. Cheptoris, Dr. Cheptoris, Frank, Dr. Cheptoris. Um, <laughs> okay, Lilian Matovu. Okay. And she gave us the introduction about the goodness of God. She covered a few things such as to understand God correctly, our perception or our lens needs to be clear and unbiased. That our perceptions about others are influenced by our observations, hearsay, and our personal experiences. It's important to surrender our biases and preconceptions to truly understand, God, to understand God's nature. And God is good. His ways are good. He's always good. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good, and that's his nature. Wow. <laughs> Sunday school peoples can relate. Sunday school peoples. And one of the stories she gave was concerning the serpent. So there was a serpent that could speak. It's not good to assume that everybody has read the Bible, especially any part. There was a serpent that could speak. So that's the first weird thing. And the serpent went and found a woman. The serpent was like, oh, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of any tree or that tree, paraphrased in this case. And the intimation through that conversation was, God is lying to you. There's something that God is keeping from you. Whatever he's doing is not good for you. And that was, that was the intimation. And so we are continuing on from there. Today we are going to discuss God's justice. Is God just? And what does that mean? What do you call a small mother? Yes, Tessie, you can shout it. <laughs> what do you call a small mom? A mini mom. I'm a dad, get used to it. I'm a dad, get used to it. What is blue and not heavy? Correct, light blue. Kanyingi, <laughs> please, please, see me on the WhatsApp group, the one for dads. You cannot start saying the answers. Anyway, guys, and so, Lord, thank you today even as we discuss your justice and what it means. I pray that you may use me. Take everything that is of me and just throw it into the trash. It's nothing. My greatest wisdom is like foolishness to you. I don't want to give my wisdom. I don't want to give my knowledge. I want to give what you are downloading unto the people on this day. That it may transform lives, not just in the now, but also in the future. That the deposit that may be placed in people's heart, including myself, may carry to generations to come. That it may cause a revival a change of heart, and lots of good things that you keep doing in our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so the topic of today is the justice of God. And whenever we start speaking about the justice of God, I think it's critical, first of all, to define what is justice. Because we might be speaking about the justice of God, and then like, I think we are talking about the same thing, but we are not. We're not speaking about the same thing. 
There's an amazing book by a guy called Michael Sandel, and the book is called Justice, What is the Right Thing to Do? And he gives three perspectives as to what justice is. The first is like three perspectives towards welfare. And a disclaimer, we all have these perspectives at different levels, but we are inclined generally towards one perspective. We are inclined generally. The first one is the welfare perspective, maximizing welfare. That justice is what will bring the greatest amount of good, reduce the greatest harm for the greatest number of people. It's more prevalent in socialist groups. And if you're inclined to this, for example, you'd have a problem if your pastor has a jet and you don't. Because you're thinking, how, how do you have a jet and I don't? Like, it's weird. With their fires happening in Maui and Oprah and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson stand and say, guys, we need to give. And you're thinking, you guys are billionaires. Like, just give. Just go to your peers. You know, just, just go to the people you have dinner with. And just say, ah, guys, can we just give like 10, 10, 10, 10%? And then we'll solve this problem. If you are inclined more towards welfare, you'd think that that's, it's a problem that your pastor has a jet, your pastor has a car, and you don't. You're busy giving, offering, and tithing. You're like, no, it's not fair, it's not fair. I think that's the song, Church Hidden by Shaggy. The second perspective is the freedom view. That... It's about individual liberty. Justice is what creates the greatest amount of respect for everyone's freedom to live the way they want to live. My body, my choice. It's not right that you can dictate what I ought to do. If it is justice, let me do what I want to do. Don't try that on me. It's more common among the liberals. And the third perspective is promoting virtue that justice shapes the society to have our people act as they ought to according to a given moral virtue. There's a template, there's a moral standard, and we have to follow it. It's more prevalent with the conservatives. And it, with these perspectives, they cut across the board, which whatever issue that you're talking about in society, it, it applies. Let's say, for example, the issue of abortion. It's a very hot topic in this day and age. Um, if you are of the welfare perspective, then you are prioritizing societal health and just think about what people are doing, focus on providing access to abortion based on health benefits and overall societal health considerations. If you are about respecting freedom, pro-choice, advocating for the individual's right to make decisions about their body. But if you are of the promoting virtue, then you uphold, that the belief, you uphold the belief that every life, including the unborn, is sacred and should be protected. If you think about gender, very hot topic in our day and age, equal opportunities and pay for all genders. You are in the welfare category. For the freedom guys, gender identity is a personal choice. I identify as, and you can't force me otherwise. If you think about promoting virtue and in the category of gender, traditional gender roles maintain order. You believe in the traditional gender roles. The husband go work, the wife be the caregiver. That's pretty much it. We only have male and female. Anything else is from the devil. Yeah, we know where you are, Tim. If you think about faith, we have policies that promote religious harmony for as long as you are in the welfare category. 
that you have you're thinking of let's promote religious harmony it's a, it's a, it's a state function let's have the muslim the hindu the every, let's let's just all come together we don't want to fight guys we don't want to fight let's just the greatest amount of good is everyone working in harmony if you're about promote respecting freedom then freedom of religious expression whatever i believe even if i believe that i need to sacrifice leilani for god to hear me you need to respect that that's my belief in my belief we go to church naked no this is not this is actually a church in i think louisiana a guys go naked respecting freedoms and if you're the promoting virtue side faith based virtues shape our moral society and this is not just a christian thing but even a muslim thing if you go to a muslim nation it's promoting virtue because their religion will dictate what happens even in the law in that respect kenya is not a christian nation if you think about marriage supporting structures for all forms of families is maximizing welfare respecting freedom is love is love love is love guys love is love yeah there's a lady who decided to marry herself the other day uh someone else like the stories are weird guys i think they're weird because you know my perspective is different i'm inclined to one side and if you're the promoting virtue side much marriage is a sacred bond between man and woman and man is someone who is born male and woman is someone born female like you even have to define these terms now about leadership leaders who ensure societal prosperity that's about maximizing welfare if you are put a leader as a leader there you need to ensure that baki is doing well as the head of baki as the head of doros as the head of abek like we need to ensure that it's giving the greatest amount of good for the organization that's your responsibility but those who are of the freedom uh, inclination leadership is by choice and not by imposition therefore as a leader i will come and try give everybody freedom to do whatever they want and moving on we'll just try to find a way all of them have pitfalls all the inclinations have pitfalls and promoting virtue then a good leader has a strong moral compass you can't be the one telling people guys you need to be at work by 8 and you're coming in at 10 set the standard as a leader and if you go to leadership conference they'll be the same you cannot be the one who is clocking in late and clocking out early and so when you talk about justice what does it actually mean and in this case what is god's perspective towards justice is he pro choice for example what does it mean weirdly the bible is in all camps the bible is in all camps if you talk about welfare for example we have the gleaning laws the gleaning laws were so we have terence and uh, tim who are the wealthy people of the society they are the bosses of our day and when they harvest when they glean they don't harvest the corners and they don't go back to harvest whatever has been left they you just pass once and whatever is left on the ground you leave for the they call the quartet of the vulnerable the orphans the widows the the foreigner and the poor let them come and pick you find this story for example in Ruth and Boaz Ruth went to the land of Boaz and it was acceptable that they have harvested and then the poor people who have been left now in this case Ruth was a widow she'd come and pick up whatever is left and it's just justified as has 
In fact, it was a good thing because when Boaz saw that and he's like, hmm, girl is fine. He's like, drop more, drop more, guys, drop more, drop more. So if you just take that example, then it feels like the Bible is pure welfare. Welfare, guys, welfare. But the Bible is also about freedom. When Joshua stands and says, you decide for yourselves who you will worship. But as for me and my house, we shall worship the Lord. The Bible is not busy trying to force its agenda on you. You have to choose it. Like it's, there's freedom of religion. God tells you this is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he doesn't force it on you. He has done everything short of violating your will for you to align to him. You still have your freedom. You still have to make the choice. And in terms of virtue, well, there are countless examples for this. Titus 2 verse 12, for example, says, The grace of God, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So justice is a quality of righteousness, of, of doing the right thing or enforcing the right thing. But then the question is, so what is the right thing? Because for as long as we are having discussions about morality, we will get lost in them for as long as we don't understand that there are questions of belief. If you go to the Islam nation and you're telling people that the ladies don't have to get covered up, they're like, no, no, that's, that's not right. Yeah, they will tell you even how to wash your hands before you eat. There's a specific way you ought to wash your hands before you eat. This is it. It's not, morality builds upon the belief system. So then now we go back to the belief so what is the belief? So what is God's justice in this case? The biggest problem in this day and age is not money. It's not, your, actually, your biggest problem is not, oh, I hit on so-and-so and she said no. You know, I went and did a pitch and they didn't come and fund. Um, I don't have rent for this month. The biggest problem of mankind is not resources, it's not love, it, it's none of these things. The biggest problem is what will affect him in eternity is sin. The biggest problem of mankind is sin. And that being the biggest problem, we are trying to come up with laws, just trying to see. So what if someone sins against me? What if, if even if they're sinning against themselves, so you try to commit suicide, you're sinning against yourself, we'll take you to jail. Even the law recognizes that you can sin against yourself and they think it's wrong. So human beings believe in justice. Even kids seem to understand a concept of fairness and justice. They just seem to understand, Daddy, how comes you are watching Coco Melon and I can't watch? I want to watch Mr. Beast right now. Parents with lots of kids experience this. They want the elder child wants what the younger child is having, the privileges. How comes the older one is sleeping later and I have to go sleep now? Kylie and Aiden, we have a kinamagere there. Like you given kids understand a concept of fairness. There seems to be an inherent law. We are craving justice as human beings. But what is justice? What is justice? Justice is an assumed aspect of life. For example, in the Kenyan National Anthem, justice be our shield and defender. But what is justice? Is justice finding people who don't have houses and you tax the ones who have money and then you take that money and put it to those who don't have houses? We don't know. 
You think the problem is the policy, the problem is the understanding of what justice is. You will discuss policies all you want, but what do we understand as justice? So, Kevo, you're making 10 million. I'm making 10,000. Dude, you can buy yourself a house. You should be taxed more so that I can get a house. I am of the welfare perspective. And those who are being tested are like, no, 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 guys, no, 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 bana, no, bana, you can't do these things, ban. How can I work? Blood, sweat, and tears. Waking up early in the morning to favor this guy who is not putting in the work. In the movies, we have Justice League. We do, we do, we do have, there they are. We, we have Justice League, apparently they're the ones enacting uh, justice against the, likes of, against the likes of Lex Luthor and the Joker and Daxid. In Ma okay, Marvel people, we have the Avengers. Marvel, Marvel people, we have the Avengers. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, it's a very nice picture. It's even well lit. Looks like it could have been taken by Tim. I know, right? <laughs> the Avengers are there. Apparently, they're called Avengers that they are looking for people who are doing the wrong thing against the universe, or in this case, universes. The multiverse, my people. They're finding people who are doing the wrong thing against the universe, the universes and they're enacting justice upon them, and they're called avengers, avenging those who are being oppressed by those who are bad. But even that, there's a presumption of right and wrong. So what is right? What is wrong? In the legal framework, there's the scales of justice. You know the Lady Justice? Lady Justice, you find her... Yeah, there she is. So Lady Justice, they're blinded, so she's not biased. She's not making her decision because of what she can see. Which shows that that guys go sing and then guys are facing the other side. The voice. That you will listen to. I'm break my heart. Like, that. no, 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 moving on. That you have to make a decision about the musicians singing there without seeing them first. Lady Justice has the same principle. Blinded, so she's not biased. But then it's difficult not to be biased when you have mankind. Immediately you bring mankind, there's a bias towards one side. So what is justice? You see, justice has a presumption of right and wrong. And for as long as you're saying there's right and wrong, that means there's good and bad. If there's good and bad, means there's a moral law at work. If there's a moral law at work, it means there has to be a moral law giver. And those of you who don't believe in God and are sitting here, or probably, this, will this go on podcast? I don't know. If you don't believe in God, for as long as there's a moral lawgiver, he has to be objective and transcending all cultures and everything else, so that means there has to be God. That's the moral argument as to the presence of God. That for as long as there is a moral law, there has to be a moral lawgiver. You can't ask questions, for example, like, how can a good God let my father die? Immediately you say that, you are assuming there's good and bad. Because you are assuming there's good and bad, there has to be a moral law. Otherwise, the question just collapses on itself. It just collapses on itself. There's a presumption of there being God by that question already. So there has to be a moral law giver, and he gives a moral law. God gives us a moral law. He is in the picture, and he's giving a moral law for us to follow. But why? So there's a video that I want us to watch, but just wait, Chris. So I find... That parenting is a lot like leadership. 
just wait, just bana, bana. Oh, I hope the sound is on too. Thank you very much, Sam. So there is, parenting is a lot like leadership. It's about putting in the work so that you can be out of a work, of a job, brother. I put in the work now so that Lilani can be self-sufficient in the future. As a leader, you're not marked by the number of people you are leading, by the, other, by the number of people that you, who lead after you leave. Parenting is a lot like that. That I am training Leland so she can be self-sufficient to go out in the world, mature, able to execute everything she's meant to execute. Physical maturity, emotional maturity, spiritual maturity, financial maturity. We are lacking in that in this day and age, all oh, our parents. Financial maturity, maturity in all spheres. That's the work of our parents, that's the work of our leader. And so I'm going to show you a video. And as even as we talk about the moral law, Chris, do the thing. Hi. Hi. Again. Hi. Turn. Turn, legs first. Yes. You can, no, you can scream. No, no, legs first. Legs first. Mom, you can do it. Yay! <laughs> That's our little munchkin in the house. We were training her how to get off from chairs so that she does not fall down when she's left alone. That's putting myself out of a job because otherwise I'd be there. Okay, now she needs to come down from the sofa. Pick her up, put her down. Okay, now she's, nowadays she even sleeps in the guest bedroom, uh, on the guest bed, which is slightly lower than, her, actually her court has the entire barrier. Looks like a cage, guys. I don't know how kids survive. It's like in prison. So the guest bed is slightly lower. She's left to sleep there during the day. She'll wake up, get down from the bed, and come into the living room. She's not walking, she's crawling, but still she comes to the living room. If she doesn't find it, like, ah, guys have woken up. But then, before she could do that, I gave her the instructions of, no, don't go to the edge, because immediately she figured out, I can sit. She's like, can I also move? Can I also move? And then she goes to the edge, she's like, I think I can. I think I can. And I'm like, no, you cannot. Don't go to the edge, Leilani. Don't, don't, don't. She's like, Baba. No, don't go to the edge. Because when I'm giving the law, I'm giving it to protect her. It's not for me, really. You know, God forbid she goes to the edge of, let's say, uh, a rooftop somewhere and she happens to fall down. Yeah, there's still the emotional pain, but I'll be alive. She won't. Because when God is giving law also in the same breath, that it's probably because you can't do whatever you want to do. It could be a good thing that you want to do. You want to get off from the sofa, but you can't. You're not ready yet. You've not mastered the skill. You want to launch that business. It's like, hold on. Hold on. You are not ready. You'll hurt yourself. You'll go out there pitching with pitch decks that look like they've been picked up from dustbins. And it's not going to work. You're going to propose to someone and she's like... Uh, I don't think you're mature enough. It's not you. Oh, sorry, it's not me. It's you. You're not ready. When he's giving the law, it could be, yes, you can do it, but not here. So in her bedroom, there is a chest of drawers that is pretty high. So the bed is probably like this high, like, like her height. Because she can see above the bed. But the chest of drawers is higher. And that was the place that we were doing diaper changes when she was smaller. It's very comfortable height for doing such things. But right now, when you put her up there, she, she thinks, 
I know how to get down, guys. You've seen me do it. There's even video evidence. Can I get down? I think it's like up here. And God is saying, no, don't go down. Not here. You want to give the prophecy, God is like, mm-mm, not here. You want to do one, two, three, God is like, mm-mm, not here. This is not the right place for this good thing you want to do. So it ends up being a bad thing. Because you will get hurt. It could be, hey, do this, yes, but not now. Not now. I'm changing your diaper. You will dirtify the entire space simply because it needed to go down and you had a diaper that was messed up. So I just removed the diaper, I folded it, I put it on the side, and then she's like, um, is it time to get down? Is it time to get down? Okay, let me get down. And a few moments later, the bed, the edge of the bed, the carpet below, everything in poop. Just not now. Just not, like, yes, you can do it. This is the right height, it's the right everything, but not now. You will identify yourself. Or there's another child down there that you will fall down, it's Ezra, and you will go down there and drop on Ezra, and then you hurt Ezra. So when God is giving the law, it's not for him, it's for us. I don't find a place where the law benefits God. It benefits man. Because it enables us to have a good vertical relationship with him and good horizontal relationships with man. So God telling Adam and Eve that they will surely die was not a threat. When I tell you, don't go, don't go to the edge of the sofa. It's not a threat. It's not. It's an assurance that, hey, I am good and I want what's good for you. I want what's good for you. So God doesn't give the law because he wants his way in a very egomaniac kind of way. He gives the law because without it we'll be destroyed or we'll destroy those around us. But then the problem came in that we didn't follow the law. We sinned. So whatever he says you do and you don't do, that is sin. There's what is written in scripture, all the list that was given when you're doing the series of Romans, an amazing series done by the likes of some about lasciviousness, homosexuality. There's was a lot of stuff, guys. You can find it on the podcast, I think. You can find us on Spotify and listen. There's a lot that was spoken about how mankind is busy trying to find new ways of doing evil. A lot. So there's that. But there's the daily nudgings of, uh, could you call fellow and just tell him this? Could you call Tim and say you're giving him this? Could you call Wesula and tell him you're doing this? If you don't follow that, that's wrong. Because he's given you a law. Like, I want you to do this, an instruction. They that obey me shall follow my commands. If you don't do it, you've fallen short. This is, the, this is what I wanted you to do and you didn't do it. So we didn't follow the law. Romans 8.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because if you don't think you have sinned, I think you're lying to yourself. Unfortunately, everyone believes that something is inherently wrong with this world. Some, something, something, something is wrong with this world. But we, in our self-righteousness and pride, ignore that the very things we hate in the world are in us. The very same things that you hate in the world, are in us. Because we all have options. Hey, you can do one, you can do two. God gave 
Adam the option with Eve, gave them the option, hey, do this and don't do this. And all of us have the same options. There's no point of having a will if you don't have options. I can't tell puppy, puppy, uh, you have two tablets to choose from. That's dumb. Unless I have another tablet in my hand, that choice is not even existing. We all have options. And it's a struggle of mankind that we end up falling short of whatever was meant to be chosen. You can judge Adam and Eve all you want, but you still have two trees too. Which one are you going to choose? And so as a consequence, death came. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. It's death. Think about it as far and wide as you think. So you go out. This will get touchy. Touchy feelings. All the best. So you go out and you decide, uh, this thing about fornication, I don't believe in it. Um, I don't think it's a sin. Oh my God. I'm just going to sleep around. So you go get sick. You get pregnant out of wedlock. You have to figure out parenting. So I'm married. We have a child. We've done the parenting as two. And it's work. I was asking my wife, what, what if now I was alone? What if she was alone? It's work. So all the consequences that come out of that, there's death of relationships, death of a career. You're told, oh, don't be corrupt. Ah, bana. Two million. Two million, I'm going to do this deal for you. You're found out, taken to court, and your career just ends there. Njoroa uba. For those who watch the show, yes. There's death that follows. It could be at an emotional level, at a physical level, at a spiritual level, but the death is a it's not a possible consequence. It's a definite consequence of sin. It's, it's not a possibility. It's a definite consequence of sin. And God wants to keep you from that death. He wants to give you life. And he can only do that justly. You can only do that justly. Ezekiel 33 verse 11 says, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn from your evil ways. Will you die, people of Israel? John 3, 16, So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, shall have eternal life. He wants to give you life because death already came to you. That little girl you see there, she's a very big sinner. The disobedience I've seen at that, from that child in the past nine months, just nine months, little sinner, cute little sinner, oh, so adorable little sinner. Whatever is wrong in the world is also in her, it's in me, it's in everyone. It's in everyone. And so the justice that was meant to meet sin, death, was met at the cross. The death that was meant to be for us went to the one who had no sin of his own. He became the sacrifice for us all. Because as Charles Spurgeon says, said rather, <laughs> the God that can pardon without justice, because he will not just let you go into heaven like, yeah, guys. Okay, I forgive you guys. There's that tweet I saw. Should I say that X? I don't know. That tweet I saw. 
that why why doesn't God just say okay guys I forgive you okay I forgive you I forgive you come but the God that will pardon without justice might one of these days condemn without reason there has to be justice because of all the sin that we have done there has to be justice sin death that's it that's the justice and he said sin death i know i know i know and i have come in i've come to solve the god who can pardon without justice might one of these days condemn without reason and all the sin and evil will be punished in the perfect justice of god and so he's called god our righteousness with reason in the hebrew it's jehovah tzikenu the lord our righteousness he does the right thing all the time he will not just come and say okay guys i forgive you just get it to heaven you've been nice today no that's 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 not it and so romans 326 and so he did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just when he judges and also the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus that he is just and also the justifier unfortunately even with the door open we respond badly to sin we we respond badly after sinning rather we respond so badly the first response is running It's typical Adam and Eve they rain they rain but i think to some extent i understand why they rain because success is a very big separator let me explain success is a very big separator if you look at those who have succeeded in your family they are known or rather they are seen for their position so you make it in life everyone is like hi hi kevo oh my child is going to school hi diana uh, i want this hi mark i want this you are seen for your position and those who have not made it quote unquote whatever your perspective of made it is they don't feel good enough to sit with the ones who succeed it's typical in relationships it's very typical that when you don't you haven't succeeded you finally meet with Elon Musk you want to be like you just speak i i don't have anything you just speak i remember at that point i'm going to like i am using you to speak unto this man he shall rename x to become twitter again you're like no let me let me just keep quiet let me just keep quiet success is a very big separation now imagine a god who always succeeds what do you think the response is you don't feel good enough to be with him think about your family gatherings you plan for a whole year you're going to have a hangout in december those who make it sit in the house those who don't make it go to the back go cook go wash dishes go do the kuchinja and all that kuchinja is slaughtering <laughs> go do the sacrifices <laughs> So success is a very good separator and now imagine a god who always succeeds our first response is i don't feel good enough to be with you i don't feel good enough to be with you but god is like hey i know you are going behind the house but i'm coming behind the house i won't sit in the house i'll come behind the house your siblings that made it are told to sit when you're told to go and serve them and wash dishes It's like no i'm going to wash those dishes with you i'm going to wash those 
intestines to make amazing tribe with you. I'm coming down into the trenches. I'll become man so that I can be tested in every single way. And I understand I am there with you, for you. I got your back. First response is we run. The second response is compensating. We try compensating. We try compensating with several things. So there are things we use to cover up the human condition. But then, like Adam and Eve, they're just fig leaves. They dry. They crack. They leave you naked. Could be anything. Your ministry, your family, memes. We, we try to compensate, you know. We just try compensating that we find something that will make us, we think of skills of justice, like, so, <laughs> I have done wrong, so let me do this good thing to compensate for that. Let me be this successful to compensate for that. Where there was only one response to the bad thing that happened, death. You think of skills of justice like it's being weighed, it's being weighed. How many movies have you seen that have that perspective? And it's a story that is being told in Hollywood and in movies around that there's a balance of skills, there's a balance of skills. How good are you? How good are you? It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter even if you contribute everything you have to the world trying to get into heaven. That's not it. All he asks for is faith. Belief. It's belief. You, you, you cannot compensate for the sin by doing good deeds. So we need God to come in. It was interesting that even after they got fig leaves to cover themselves, it was God who came in and gave them still a cloth before they could give, leave the Garden of Eden. Before we go out in the world, I'm going to give you a cloth made of skin. It's more durable. It was always God who could give us the durable solution to the human condition. It was always God. It was always God. Remember in campus, some guy called GK, he asked, how come? So in campus, it's very prevalent in finding people sleeping around. He asked, how comes when you guys sleep around, the first thing you think about is a shower? You think that will cleanse you? Won't. Won't. You're trying to compensate with the shower? Won't. And so what is our response meant to be? For the person that is here and you have not given your life to Christ, it's as simple as believe. It sounds very rudimentary, very fake, very, oh my God, it's a big problem. How do you just tell me, believe? I need to have routines, I need to have religion, I need to have, no, believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, not believes and gives tithe, believes and believes. Believes. You don't have to work for it. And it goes beyond the things you will say. It goes beyond all that. Because even if we go all the way into baptism and we baptize you and get you out and you have not had a change of heart, you just went in a wet, dry sin and came out a wet sinner. There's no change. You just took a shower. There's, there's, there's no difference really. It's a change. He's asking to give life to you, not to make you wet. Because God giving his son was about love. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son because he loved. But then you turning to him, he will forgive you. God getting, get, giving his son was about love. But God getting sons 
is about justice. First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That the response is, hey, repent. And he's like, yes, because you repent, faith in Jesus, your sin put on the cross, crucified there, and you're, you're cleansed. Righteous. He sees you as righteous. It's a very simple gospel. It's a very simple gospel, really. And that applies even to the believer who you may have strayed, you may have stumbled, you may have fallen. Same principle. He is faithful and just. He wants to forgive you. You see, I think we are discussing with Stacy that sin keeps you from God the same way God keeps you from sin. And so when you sin as a believer, you start shying away from God. You shy away from God and God's people, actually. You don't want people to know your affairs that much, you know, because, yeah, I messed up. I don't want you guys to know that I am living with my baby mama who is of the second child of, of no. You don't want people to come into your space that much because you are running away from God and God's people. They will see you. They'll call you out and you'll be like, yeah, like just, just repent. Like it's that simple, just confess your sins and he is faithful and just. So don't let yourself see my sin. It will not help you. All the guilt, all the shame, the shame it's not helpful. Don't try, and, don't try and run away and don't try to compensate. Don't start serving in this church simply because you are doing nasty things out there. Those good deeds won't balance out whatever you are doing out there. No, won't. It's weird that he says, get away from me. I didn't, know, I didn't know you. Didn't we preach? Didn't we save? Didn't we heal? I didn't know you. We, we, we didn't have that kind of relationship, man. We didn't. We didn't. And so let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He is the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And after you've given your life to Christ and the believer after you have confessed, stay on the road that is narrow. I think one of the best explanations I found of temptation is temptations are like pop-ups. So imagine you're browsing on your phone uh, or on the laptop. Apparently, there's a difference between a laptop and a MacBook. So imagine you're, you're browsing on your MacBook. Okay? And in the middle of doing all that, you just find a pop-up. You see, pop-ups are things that come to take you away from where you wanted to go in the first place. There's something nice you are doing. There's something that you, you had gone online to figure out, okay, fine, there's an earthquake that has happened in Morocco. What happens to them? How can I chip into this? Is there a place that guys are giving funds? How can I pray into this? Can I fly to Morocco and help those guys? I think the last I checked, the earthquake happened yesterday. Um, over 1,200 people had passed on because of the earthquake. Like you are doing a good thing, then just a pop-up. Just out of the blue. Temptations are like that. But in every pop-up, there's a small X. In every single pop-up, there's a small X. And God gives you the strength. First of all, he opens your eyes to where the X is. Some of these X's are usually very hidden. Hey, 
those of you who watch football on those weird weird sites where you don't want to pay for show marks and things like those you know those pop-ups or browsing and downloading movies from weird weird sites pop-ups come they're usually very hidden it's like it's even on overlaid on the image you can't see it he will open your eyes to where the x is he gives you a way out he directs your mouse and you just go there and click and it could be anything it could be hey switch off your data yeah right now it's at night you're in bed alone man you you know what you're about to do man it's it's about to go there you've done this over and over you can't do this again it could be as simple as my wife has made me angry i'm about to speak and what is like just just shut up man hush, hush bring it down bring it down bring it down like okay could be walk out of that club whatever you came here for is more it's you're not going to find it here just walk out of this club everybody has their own ex depending on what is hitting you at that point in time everybody's pop up is different you could be don't go for that business meeting don't don't get that job don't get into that relationship everybody has their own ex but he gives you the eye set to see okay fine there is an ex let me click it let me step out let me continue doing whatever i was meant to do because he's ordering the steps of the rushes i will keep on that path for his name sake he orders the steps of the rushes i am righteous now i already repented i already gave my life i'm done with that the old is gone the new has come i think one of the best descriptions of the gospel is by a guy called john gasner i don't know if we have it on the screen this one i don't know it was a blog that he wrote it's a very good summary concerning he compared the christian message with every other religion and the salvation the joy it brings because justice of god is good news to a believer it's it's like ah god thanks that you are just because all my sin on the cross like it's good news to a believer so only the christian gospel resolves the problem of pleasure and then offers a way that genuinely delivers us from it in a way which justice and mercy kiss each other only christ provides a true way of salvation from the dreadful predicament in which the problem of pleasure places man first christianity confirms the fact that justice must be satisfied sin must be condemned according to its demerit this means eternal doom the sinner must be damned because god must be in exorably holy and just his all powerful being must vindicate his all holy being christianity never compromises the ever blessed purity and excellency of the divine nature second christianity alone finds a way to satisfy infinite justice and provide infinite mercy at the same time what no other religion has dreamed of jesus christ has accomplished he underwent the infinite wrath of god against sin and lived to bestow his mercy on the damned sinner for whom he died the infinite son of god took upon himself human nature which he underwent the full fury of the divine wrath who became sin for his people the justice of god was vindicated in full in the substitute his own son and our savior dear thank you very much chris 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 nimehang thank you <laughs> and so 
He survived that awful vengeance and rose over the grave by the power of his own divinity. And now he offers to every sin-sick and pleasure-burdened soul an everlasting mercy. Perfect mercy and perfect justice in the gospel of the crucified one are here and now offered to you, dear reader. So God is just. Today it was tackling the aspect of God is just concerning the biggest problem that mankind has, sin. God willing, next week we'll go into God is just in terms of what about the problems that beguile man. Where's the justice in my dad having died when I was in class six? Where's the justice in a couple waiting for 10 years to get a child? They get a child and then five months in and then the child dies. Where's the justice in that? So the biggest problem has been, so okay, I'm going to heaven, but I don't want to go to heaven and live in hell. Where's the justice in that? How does God answer these questions? Because these questions, he knew they'd come and he answers them. And so justice calls for our death and mercy calls for our life. Justice got the death of Christ and he got the life of Christ. And now faith ushers us into righteousness, away from the penalty of sin, because that was what was attributed for us. Away from the power of sin, even as we live, we are able to close the pop-ups and away from the presence of sin in the new Jerusalem where there'll be no sin. And justice has done the part. Justice has done the path, the part. And so, if you're here and you have not given your life to Christ, I will ask you to come forward. I don't think the world will cheer you when you say you're a Christian. It's probably in the church the only place where you will say you are giving your life to Christ. And guys will be like, man, holding a party the same way God is holding a party. If you're here and you've not given your life to Christ, I'm not asking anybody to close their eyes. If you're here and you've not given your life to Christ, I'll ask you to come forward. And we will clap, we will cheer, we will celebrate because justice has done its part. Because justice has done its work.